Some people say you should never judge anyone for anything, and they'll use this verse in Matthew 5 to back that up. But as we'll learn today, there's a lot more to it. Here's Pastor David. Some people in the world want to use judge not lest you be judged as essentially synonymous or the same as you do you. I'm okay, you're okay, right? Nobody is allowed to judge anybody for anything. That's what they're trying to say. Now, that is a possible interpretation. It's possible because the word judge can be used that way. The word judge can be used that way. But we need to see if it will hold up in context by looking at the context of the passage, of the whole teaching, of the book, of the gospels, and of everything that's been revealed to us in scripture, okay, and nature, and we got to see whether that holds up. If Jesus had meant that you were commanded not to use any kind of judgment at all, or at least any kind of judgment at all with people, then that should bear itself out in the text. That should bear itself out in his teachings and the teachings of those who he taught, right, in the rest of the Bible. Now, the word in Greek that's used for judge here is the word krino. That's how I say Go ahead and say it. Krino. Yes, that's wonderful. Can you roll your R's? It's amazing. It's just fun, okay? That's the word for judge. Now, here's the problem with taking that word and saying that what Jesus meant by it was that you can never judge anyone for anything at any time. Here's the problem. He uses the word more than once in his teachings. One of the times he uses it in John 7, 24, and this is what he says. Do not judge, Carino, according to appearance, but judge, Carino, with righteous judgment. He actually tells us that we are to judge people with righteous judgment. So we've got a problem here. At one point, Jesus is telling us not to judge, and the other point, he's telling us to judge. So we're, we're jacked up unless he's using it in context in different ways, like we would use the word, which he is, because he's really smart, like I said. It's not a discrepancy in the scripture. The word has more than one meaning. This means this, there is a kind of judgment we are supposed to be doing and a kind of judgment we are not supposed to be doing. I'd say it's pretty important that we know which is which. Pretty important. In the context of this passage, just 10 verses later in chapter 7 of Matthew, we see Jesus talking about uh, false prophets, right? People who come to you, wolves and sheep's clothes and that type of thing. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, fruits are actions, right? What they do and, and what the consequences of those, those actions are. How are we to do anything about that scripture unless we are judging the fruits that we see to know whether someone is a false prophet or not? We have to be able to judge the fruits. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. So he cannot be saying, do not judge anyone about anything ever. It's impossible. He cannot be saying that. Some judgment is necessary. Some judgment is necessary. We are called to judge righteously the behavior of others. We are not called to judge the hearts of others. We are not called to condemn others. Okay? We are not the judges of motives and minds or the judges for condemnation for two reasons. Okay, I'm going to give you these two reasons why. Here's reason number one. We do not have the ability. We 
don't have the capacity. We're not able to judge minds because we're not able to see into hearts and minds, right? If you think you are seeing into hearts and minds, you're wrong. God has reserved that to himself. We read that earlier from Jeremiah. He is the judge of the heart. He is the judge of the mind. We don't see into the hearts of others. Whether we would say they're doing something good or the way that we would say their motives are bad, doesn't matter. You don't know. Only God knows, as we've already studied. We saw in chapter 5 of Matthew, as we were studying, that murder and adultery are in the heart. If you read the rest of Scripture, you'll see that all kinds of sins are, are said to be from the heart, in the heart. That means God knows them. That means if you, as he says, lust after a woman, you are committing adultery with her in your heart. Who knows about that? Not me, not you. I could never see it. I don't know what's going on in your heart. Who sees it? God sees it. We can see if you go out and actually commit adultery and we catch you in the physical act. We cannot see whether or not your heart has evil desires in it. That's something that only God can see and only God can judge. Only God can judge that. Second, number two, we have not been given jurisdiction to condemn people. We just haven't been given that jurisdiction. This is a big one. God is the judge. God is the one who will separate those who are his from those who are not his and who are in persistent rebellion to him. He will make that judgment. He will make that condemnation. It is not for us to make. You are not authorized. You ever bought something online and you have something come back and says, this card is not authorized? In that case, it means I'm not getting my Washington Husky Snuggie on Amazon that I was ordering. But in the case that I'm talking about here, I'm saying you don't have authorization to condemn. You are not authorized. Jesus Christ has all authority and all judgment. It's his. You cannot steal it from him. You cannot act as him. It is only his. You do not have the authority. Now, when I was a kid, and some other kid would tell me something, he'd tell me what to do. My response was usually this. You're not the boss of me. Right? You probably heard that. Hopefully not from your own kids. But I would say, you're not the boss of me. And what I meant was that this kid doesn't have jurisdiction over me. Now, I couldn't even pronounce the word jurisdiction, much less that I know what it means at that time. But I do know what it means now, right? I, jurisdiction is, is clear when someone has authority over you. Now, dad had jurisdiction. He had jurisdiction, and he had the paddle to prove it, right? And many times he exercised his jurisdiction on my hind end. Many a time, okay? He could tell me what to do, and if I did not do it, there were consequences because dad had jurisdiction. Only Jesus Christ has authority to condemn. Only he has jurisdiction. If you are out there condemning people, or you are out there judging the hearts and minds of other people, you are acting outside of your jurisdiction. And in that case, they could say, you're not the boss of me. There, is, there are those people in those moments where that would be appropriate. What does jurisdiction mean? It's two Latin words, okay? Juris, meaning law, and diction, meaning speak, to speak, or speech. It means the authority to speak the law. That's what jurisdiction means. If you're ever wondering, now you know. It means that you have the authority to speak the law. Each one of us, every person in this room, lives in a number of overlapping 
jurisdictions, okay? You and your spouse, you have jurisdiction over your marriage. You guys get to hold each other accountable to things that you have vowed to God that you will do for one another. You get to hold accountable to the things, the purpose and the calling of your marriage, things like that. You have jurisdiction in that sphere, okay? The uh, boss at work has jurisdiction over your work. You either do what the boss says in, in her jurisdiction, or you don't have a job, right? Because the boss has jurisdiction. The state and federal governments have jurisdiction over certain things we do, okay? You can't go out and steal stuff, you know, rob the store or whatever, or the state is going to exercise its jurisdiction and speak the law and enforce it. You're going to end up in jail. The state has certain jurisdiction, Jesus in this passage is clearly defining the limits of our jurisdiction. He's defining the limits of our jurisdiction. You are not to judge the heart or to condemn people. You are not to judge the heart or to condemn people. You cannot judge what's in someone's heart or mind. You cannot say whether someone belongs to God or not. These things are outside of your jurisdiction. And you don't want people doing that to you. So you ought not to do it to them. That's the conclusion we're going to get to. Now, let me be clear about something. There are some things that Scripture is very clear about. Couldn't be more clear about. If a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, if they believe that, if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning Jesus has jurisdiction over them and they submit to him and obey him, if they do that and they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, they will be saved. If they do not do that, they will not be saved. Scripture's clear. No question. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who's provided reconciliation and redemption from our sin. That's it. There is no one else. There is no two ways about it. However, you are not able to see whether someone has made Jesus Lord in their heart or believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead. You are not able, you don't have the ability, and you don't have the authority or jurisdiction to start making those judgments about who's in and who's out. That's not your thing to judge. Okay, you can judge fruits, you can do all kinds of stuff, but you can't know ultimately whether somebody is gods or not. Those are his children, and he has jurisdiction over them. That's the way that that works. You are, however, given some authority. You do have some authority. Let's look at the Great Commission, the one that we got on the wall out there. It says this, and Jesus came to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who's got jurisdiction over everything? Jesus. Jesus has ultimate jurisdiction over everything, everyone, every being, every creature, every plant, every, all the soil, all the waters, everything. It's his, okay? Then he says, go therefore. Okay. The therefore is referring to, I have all the authority. Then I'm saying, go, because I have all the authority. So what he's doing in that word, go, is he is stamping you with a certain amount of authority and jurisdiction as his follower. For the Christ follower, you are granted some of Jesus's jurisdiction. Just like a judge in a lower court is granted that jurisdiction by a higher court, okay? 
Just like the person who you have go out and, and get something for you, you are granting them the authority that you would have had to go get that thing to them. Jesus is doing the same thing. It's very simple. He's saying, I have all the jurisdiction. Now, because I have all the jurisdiction, I'm delegating to you a certain amount of jurisdiction. Now, me, myself, I'm an amazing delegator. I will delegate everything that I can delegate if possible. That's my kids. I will delegate, okay? Jesus is a good delegator too, much better than me about what he does. Uh, but he is saying to every single person who is a Christ follower, who is his body, that as his body, you have certain authority. You have certain jurisdiction. To what? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, what does that mean? What is our jurisdiction in the church? Here's what it is. We have jurisdiction and authority to make disciples for Jesus. We have that jurisdiction. We have jurisdiction to baptize people into life in Christ and his body, the church. And we have jurisdiction to teach them all that he has commanded. Now, there's a lot of things that flow from those jurisdictions. But those are unquestionably authorities and jurisdictions that are given to the Christ follower. What this includes, that not everybody loves, is judging the actions of those who name themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. Judging with righteous judgment and with love the actions of those who name themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let me back up for a second expand a little bit on the, on the teaching on jurisdiction so we understand a little bit better because there's so much stuff in Scripture that is working within the context and the idea of jurisdiction. And so as you read Scripture for yourself, you want to be able to identify it when there's jurisdiction being talked about, okay? So you have an ever-growing number of jurisdictions. The first one you have is yourself. It's yourself. You have the authority to submit yourself to the jurisdiction of God. To submit yourself to the jurisdiction and the commands of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You must do this, or all your other jurisdictions are going to be a mess. If you don't have that first jurisdiction taken care of, that God has given you a mind, body, soul, spirit, and you have the ability to sow to the spirit, to submit yourself to God, and to let him be in control and in charge. That's your first duty and your first jurisdiction. Make sure you are following all the commands of Jesus. This is what goes to the whole, the, the whole plank in the eye and the, and the sliver or the, or the speck. If I do not have myself submitted to Christ, I don't have that first jurisdictional sphere fixed the right way, and then I go out and try to tell you how you're messing up, I got a problem. I'm sitting here trying to do microsurgery on a speck in your eye while I have got a two-by-four coming out the side of my head. Okay, That's what he's talking about. You got a plank coming out of your eye, banging things around here. Hey, let me, let me get in your eye and do that surgery. If, if the doctor walked in, you're about to have surgery, eye surgery, right? Which is just, I've never had that. That sounds horrible. Like, take your eyes and put them up on the side. <laughs> But let's say that's, that's you, and the doctor comes in, he's back, he's getting his things on his back, so he turns around, whoop, and there's a big plank in his eye. You going to let him go messing around in your eye with this big plank coming out? No. People with planks in their eye are not good surgeons. 
But you'll notice that the passage does not say, don't remove the speck from your brother's eye. It says, first get rid of the plank, then go remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's saying, get your jurisdiction right, or you're going to end up being a hypocrite. Get yourself right with the Lord, that you might be able to operate in all the other jurisdictional duties and obligations and authorities that you have in your life. So that's number one. Got to remove that plank. Got to get yourself submitted to God. Does that mean that you never sin? No. Does that mean that you're perfect, completely perfect in every way all the time? No. What it means is that you're continually in the process of submitting yourself to the authority of God. That's what it means. Now, we've got to get jurisdiction in the proper order. The next jurisdiction in your life is your family. It's the next place where you have a jurisdiction. There is a biblical guide. There's a biblical command for what jurisdiction looks like within a family. I don't have time to teach on all that today. I'm going to tell you what the jurisdictions are, but we'd have a whole, whole other series on every one of these. There are jurisdictional um, responsibilities and duties and authorities of the husband. There are jurisdictional responsibilities and duties and authorities of the wife. There are jurisdictional responsibilities and duties and authorities of the children. And there are jurisdictional responsibilities and duties of any other people that are living in your family home. All of those things, Scripture speaks to how we ought to live and how we ought to exercise the authority and jurisdiction granted to us by him in those contexts. So it's you to God, then it's your family. The next one and the last one I'm going to talk about today, although there are many others, there's, there's jurisdiction at work, there's jurisdiction at the PTA meeting, there's jurisdiction in all kinds of different places, but I'm going to go to number three. We're just hitting the top three. You and God, your family to God, and then the church. That's your next jurisdiction, the church. Within the church, there are a number of different jurisdictional things going on. The first one is this. God has appointed and set aside the elders of the church to have jurisdiction and spiritual authority and responsibility over the church. Some people don't like that. In fact, most elders I know don't like it because it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. It is an incredible responsibility and act of service to be responsible for the spiritual lives of other people. It's difficult. But the Bible is God's word, and it is clearly set up that way in Scripture. And I tend to get myself in trouble when I go against Scripture. That's just my experience. I hope you'll join us next time to learn more about this topic of judging others, including how it works in the church, and a lot more. And if judging others is a problem you'd like to get a handle on, we'd love to help. Call us at 360-885-9000 or use email info at axchurchnw.org. There really is freedom and peace in Christ. 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and we'll look for you right here next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.